Hi everyone, welcome. Thanks for joining. This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm your host JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Japan. And today I have the chance to talk with Robin Hoshino, originally from Ireland. Robin is a translator and designer who's working with a local group called Roots Journey. They are trying to revive a rural community just outside of Kyoto. And they have a lot of innovative ideas to create a balance and give local people a better quality of life, but also create appeal for visitors and new residents. And now you are part of this really innovative team of roots. Or Roots Journey, which is doing community development, education, a little bit of tourism, but also consulting and helping other rural areas of Japan to develop products or assets in their area, which support Japanese heritage and tradition and craftsmanship, as well as so many other aspects of community development and quality of life. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Thanks so much, Robin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Happy me today. Could you, yeah. Could you just tell me a little bit at the beginning just about you and how you got involved with this project? Yeah.、Uh, so I've been in Kyoto for about six years now.、Um, I've done a lot of different things while I'm here.、Um, I'm, my background is like animation and design, like that kind of、uh, communication side of things.、Uh, I was working in a design company in Kyoto、uh, before working in Roots, and you know, it was pretty typical graphic design place.、Um, so, as I was thinking, this isn't really for me because you know, it, it was very, very commercial. I,、um, I was connected with Fei Lang, one of the founders of Roots, and I saw her on Facebook. Oh, we're starting up this company with this, my, my friend Kay. I was like, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah, okay. And I got in touch with her and I was like, I, yeah, I want to be in your company. And、um, yeah, they're like, okay, cool. What can you do? <laughs> and I kind of have done so many things before this. Like, I'm from Ireland where I did, after animation, I, I did like food events and like startup. Not startup,、um, what would you say? Like pop up, like pop up dinners, that kind of thing, secret supper type stuff, working with local producers, that,、um, you know, organic vegetables and whatnot in Dublin. And then in, in, when I came to Kyoto, I was first doing Aikido, I was doing design, I was doing illustration. So I was like, Reed, what can you do? It's like, anything you want. So yeah, that's why I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of between, like, so we have two founders.、Uh, one is Kei Nakayama, who is a professional、uh, interpreter, professional guide, you know, so it's very like language based and、uh, travel, that's kind of his area. And then the other founder is、uh, Fei Lang Tseng, who is、uh, 
designer by trade she's like a, produ a product designer so a little bit different to what i know as well yeah this is our <laughs> it's the two of them and so i'm kind of in the middle because i do the i have the language stuff but also a bit of the design stuff so it's kind of it, it's a good it's a good mix <laughs> nice yeah, yeah it sounds like a good combination and yeah. i i love your your idea that you can basically do anything and what do you need i think yeah. as as you go on and do lots of different kinds of jobs and projects over the years that's a great skill that you can develop isn't it like you you're like basically i'm i'm game to stretch and try and mm -hmm. learn and grow and what do you need i can help that's an yeah, awesome yeah, answer yeah. yeah i kind of um rather than specializing in one field i have more specialized in this one area where i'm very interested in i guess sustainability and local uh, regional development, you know, these make making these local areas more viable is what I'm interested in. And to make that happen, I, I don't mind what I have to do. Is <laughs> kind of the yeah. way I think about it. <laughs> well, I think I get so much inspiration from what you guys are doing at mm -hmm, Roots mm -hmm. because sustainability is is everywhere it's got lots of potential but working out how to do it is hard and mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. what you guys are doing going into the beautiful countryside working with local people trying to create something in balance between local people and visitors or students and interns loads of different things um it's really important and it's great to to talk about your project so let's get started yeah, what cool. what is roots what is the mission tell us about it yeah so um the kind of tagline is cross the border connect with roots so uh you know crossing country borders crossing other sort of um, imaginary borders and just you know people from different backgrounds coming together and uh, mixing and you know the um, the new things the innovation that can spring from that so the mission is connecting the satoyama wisdom with the world uh, so that means in the satoyama uh, I don't know how familiar your listeners are or your viewers are with this but it's the area in the mountains, in the countryside, at kind of at the base of the mountains, and so it's it's kind of already a very su sustainable settlement that's been in existence in Japan for a very very long time. Um, so I think there's a cross section diagram there that we can just show maybe real quick. Sure. I'll uh, get that. So we've talked about the Satoyama before. We've had okay, other cool. other um, guest speakers like uh -huh. Asby Brown, who yeah, have yeah, yeah. talked about the the Edo Jidai, the Edo yeah, era. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So we can you can kind of see it here. This is maybe a little easier to understand, get an idea of what we're talking about. So there's kind of the the, the shallow, the low, the low mountains that are more that are quite mixed forestry, easy to access from the village settlement, which is you know around the river where the rice paddies would be, and the uh, everyday crops. And then when you go into the more deeper mountains, this is uh, now usually controlled by the government, and this is where all of the, the timber would be um, sourced from, and also uh, you know. Uh, the habitat for ideally the habitat for Japan's wildlife you know the bears monkeys and deers and everything 
maybe not the case recent in recent years because of the you know the monoculture that is now throughout Japan. But uh, you get an idea of the the general idea. And uh, so Keho we are based in Kehoku, which is a Satoyama region of Kyoto City. So it's technically Kyoto City, but it's uh, in the mountains. It's about hour less than an hour drive from Kyoto city center and uh so it's always it's historically had quite a important relationship with kyoto city as well uh it the forestry industry has been the sort of main industry in kehoku for a very long time and uh we'll talk we can talk about that a bit later but uh a lot of the building materials that would have built the temples and shrines and everything in Kyoto city would have uh, in the past come from Keihoku. Yeah, this is similar to, I was just in Kamikatsu and mm -hmm. uh, talking about how Kamikatsu is famous for the leaf industry, but many years ago it was also famous for its lumber. And mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. there's too much of one kind of tree, which I'm sure is a problem in this area and right. all over Japan. Um, mm -hmm. So deforestation, not deforestation, but forest maintenance is a really important part. And it right. sounds like that's one of the things that you are also working on mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. learning how to thin the forest, use mm -hmm. wood from local forests. And uh, that's a really important part of sustainability in Japan. For yeah, sure. for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in yeah. the Satoyama slide, uh, before we <laughs> move on, yeah, so yeah, cool. you talk about agriculture, community, food, forestry, mm -hmm. architecture, culture, environment, mm -hmm. and energy. So yeah, yeah. how do all these essentials relate to mm -hmm. life in rural, beautiful Japan, from the mountains to the sea, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the reason we've put these connected to Satoyama is uh, these are the areas that we feel that there is a certain sustainable wisdom to be found that we can, these, we can get uh, ideas about how to live more sustainably in these areas from the Satoyama that we have this for example agriculture we saw in the diagram you know it's part of a, a wider system that connects right into the forest that people are they're stewarding as far as like into the deep woods to make sure that they have like a, a whole sustainable system you know the communities obviously more sustainable people have a lot more responsibility to each other there's a lot more uh you know in in satoyama communities that are still functioning well you'll definitely see this you know people are involved in the, the local cleanup and the local festivals and so on um you know forestry as well ideally <laughs> uh if they're the mountains are being stewarded correctly, then you know it, it, you have a model for sustainable forestry architecture as well. You know the kaibuki roofs, the um, the sustainable structure. The I guess the kaibuki is the most obvious example of that. Um, yeah, yeah, so, and you work mm -hmm. with uh, local experts, yeah, uh, right. which we're, we'll talk about next. Uh, uh -huh, who can uh -huh. teach kind of the ancient ways, the traditional right. ways, mm -hmm. which actually now, even in our modern lives, we're realizing might be better than what we've been doing in the last 20 years, right? Using mm -hmm. these uh, traditional ways, which are more in balance 
with environmental needs and community needs. So we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to point out on the map where yeah. you guys are, mm-hmm. uh, you said about an hour away from Kyoto City by yeah, car, is that right? About, yeah, 40, 45 minutes or so, yeah, from Kyoto City. Like if you go from maybe Kyoto Station by car, you can see Kehoku there. It's sort of, as you can see on the map, on the border between Kyoto City, like the actual metropolitan area, and the rest of Kyoto Prefecture, which is actually a lot bigger than people imagine. People usually think of Kyoto as just that little block, <laughs> uh, which Keoku is sort of attached onto. But you know, Kyoto is actually quite long. It's quite it stretches right out into the sea, and so it Keoku is really like acts as a sort of gateway or has a really good position positioning in that it is the sort of gateway between Kyoto City and the rest of the prefecture which is you know the mountain the mountain area the forested area and then the maritime area further to the sea of japan side mm. yeah i love that the gateway to the wilderness of kyoto <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And when when I visited um, this area end of last year, I did a driving trip and mm-hmm. I went into Shiga and the mm-hmm. beautiful countrysides mm-hmm. of Shiga and visited an yeah, organic yeah. farm with Chuck Kayser and then uh, went back to Kyoto City and then went to Lake Biwa, which is also in Shiga. So this yeah. area is a really beautiful, natural area. Right, what a great right. position for you guys to be in. Yeah, yeah. So like we can really interface both ways, right? We have a lot of because we're technically part of Kyoto City, we're involved. We have like a stake there, but also, we, you know, we are actually like geographically in the countryside, so it's also a lot easier to approach uh, people in that in those areas. Yeah, yeah fantastic. Sure. Um, yeah. Let's talk about what you do more specifically. Cool. So yeah, we yeah, have yeah. this slide. Yep. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we have. Uh, basically three programs not that we're do operating right now one of our main uh i guess parts of the business at the moment is our academic programs uh ideally we would have people come from uh, overseas so for example we've had the uh, hong kong polytechnic university come over uh in 2019 and they used some fallen lumber uh trees that had fallen in a recent typhoon to build a log a tree house i guess um so but now because we're you know in corona times that we are used to doing this online but basically bringing uh students we have uh students from around japan as well come to the area or you know connect with us through online and uh, tackle or investigate lo- uh, local issues, whether it's, you know, degrading forestry, uh, you know, dying villages, villages that are becoming depopulated or unviable. Yeah. And so we organize a program to interface between the students and the local area to sort of come up with new ideas for the, uh, whatever that the, the problem at hand is. Uh, I, just, also- I brought up your tree house. I love that project. Uh, How wonderful. So yeah, right. <laughs> it was. It looks like it was built right into the forest. That's right. It's on the edge. So there's a sort of um. There's an area. There's a facility called Aru Kehoku in Kehoku, and there has there's a large clearing where would have we have sometimes events. There's there was like a there's a tennis court in the back which is now disused. There's a like a 
what would you say an accommodation facility the kind of like big facility that people would stay for with school groups and so on and kind of at the edge of the clearing they built this treehouse this is near where the trees had fallen so that they, they, you know they brought one of those uh machines to make you know planks out of the timber onto the site the students cut it up there and so this was led with one of our local experts we're going to talk about the experts i think in a minute but so we have a lot of different experts and you know foresters people who uh know about building about the kayabuki roofs about food and so on so on and this is this was uh one of our experts who he came up with he had no plan for this house he was like building it out of his head <laughs> you know and this, he was like just you know cut this do that and then the students who are some of them are architectural students they were you know drawing like maps and and diagrams like okay i think this is what he means and then they build it <laughs> uh yeah so this is very cool it's on the edge of the the clearing as i said and you know we the residents of kehoku do use this clearing for events we have uh, a big one in uh, the autumn called kurumori you making the forest of making i guess and it's a kind of art craft event um that happens every year and so this is a great attraction you know kids can rub they love it they run up and play we've done um like use it as a little gallery space you know it's it's really integrated well into the local area mm -hmm. that's great yeah, so, now one yeah. of one of the things in the next in the next picture mm -hmm. is is bringing in experts to yeah. have a deeper experience and you you mentioned a group from italy came over and yeah, learned right. about traditional japanese building techniques you want mm -hmm. to talk about that sure yeah another so while we do have you know a lot of student groups kids that are still in university or we've had high schools um we do also facilitate uh groups of experts you know professionals so uh in 2019 i think we had a group come over from italy who were some of them were built expert like architects some of them were interior designers uh involved in construction people who were you know uh involved in maintaining the very old buildings in, in italy and they came over they were interested in these you know these more sustainable uh, building practices that you can see in the Satoyama. So we connected them with uh, Kayabuki, the thatch roof expert, and uh, he, they learned about the kaya. They learned about how it's made. They got up on the roof and, and experienced making the kaya. And you know, well, what is really interesting for us about this is. When you bring in experts, experts in 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 the Japanese building um, techniques and the experts from abroad, and you bring them together, the kind of questions that you have is, you know, so different to you know if you just came in as as a layman as a tourist, like oh that's cool, Kaya, yeah, love it, great idea, and you know that's that's going to probably be the end of the conversation. But you know, with these groups who who you know, have a much higher <laughs> resolution view of, of the topic that the, obviously the questions are a lot deeper and it, it is a it's it's obviously great for the people who've come to the area but also for the local people to get like, insight or perspective from abroad it's often uh, very rewarding for them not only to get you know information or other ideas about how to do things but even I think in Japan a lot of uh, people can sort of take what they have for granted. I'm sure you've experienced this and they don't quite understand how maybe amazing it is or interesting it is. 
And when you have people coming from abroad and be very interested in, in very specific things that they take, as I said, for granted, I think it can be a real moment to realize the value again um, of what they have. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see that a lot, right? People doing very sustainable things and they're not using it in their mission statement or branding materials. And this is definitely a point of appeal to international visitors, especially, but even within Japan, there are a lot mm-hmm. of people who are seeking this out, right? right. Um, this mm-hmm. is one of the feedback slides mm-hmm. from your mm-hmm. website, from this yeah, group, yeah. from uh-huh. Italy that came over. I think uh, it is. A lot yeah. of the American groups. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. it, it sounds like he had a wonderful experience, not only in the workshop, but mm-hmm. also in uh, staying in that area and mm-hmm. how how wonderful it was to meet the local people, learn about local traditions, um, mm-hmm. gain new insights and skills, but mm-hmm. also experience traditional and cultural Japan. So that's that's right. wonderful feedback. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we get that a lot. People are just uh, amazed at the different culture, right? You know, the people are very happy to talk about things. People can come up and just give you things without just just because they're happy to meet you. And we have that culture in the Satoyama. I mean, I think it's very hard to imagine, especially for people living in the city, that you you know, not everything is about exchanging money, that there are other sort of um, ca- types of capital that are viable in the countryside, you know, exchanging uh, goods, but also, you know, sort of cultural capital or social capital are also very, like, big in, in the countryside. And you, you you can survive without having to rely so much on money if you're, like, engaged in the community and you're willing to give. And like that's, I think, a very important point that we're constantly telling people because people are constantly asking us, like even in Japan, like Japanese people are like, oh, you know, I live in Tokyo. I'd love to live in the countryside. But like, how do you how do you integrate? You know, there's a feel like people feel like there's a real barrier. And, um, you know, to talk about the experience of uh, like Kei and Feilang, who moved, who are both not from the Kehoku area, like when Kei came to uh Kehoku you know he started a, a blog he was like talking about this is you know when blogs are still kind of interesting and new so people are real excited that he was talking about the area and such a you know he was really in love with it so talking about like publishing that to the world people were really happy about that and he does like a once a month free English class for the locals as well you know if you have if you go in there with the spirit of like taking part and having something to offer people respond very well to that. If you just go there with the intention to just, you know, get, <laughs> it, it, you might struggle, right? If you go in with that kind of city mind, like I, I give you money, you give me a thing, right? That kind of exchanging mindset, then it, it's going to be a bit difficult. It, it is really that culture, I think, that if you can get to get grips with that, you can will we'll decide whether you can be make it in the countryside or not that is so true like for any human relationship if you go (laughs) up to someone with a intention to exploit them they're Mm -hmm. not going to be very receptive to you right so i mean that's why tourism often has a really bad negative connotation because the idea is it's all about the customer and using Mm -hmm. whatever they want and then the local people are left 
with the problems of using too much resource or leaving too much waste, right? Right, so right, right. Having this like symbiotic relationship um, between someone coming in and someone who has something to offer, that's mm -hmm. such a beautiful thing. And it's so delicate. Right, um, right. So it's great that there's people who understand that, who are organizing with the locals like you guys. That's it, yeah. Like even this, when we have student groups, you know, when they can actually come into the area, some some of the older residents might be a bit uh, suspicious of oh, you know, bringing people in. There's a big group. What are you going to do? You know, and if you even if you like get the students involved in like one day of cleaning up the river or something, the response is completely different. You know, these gestures are so important and they can be they seem they're small. Right. So people can overlook them or like, oh, we don't have time or, you know, we're, we're doing something more important. We're here to change the world. Right. With our sustainable ideas. But the, if those engage that engagement with the community is actually such a big uh, like point that you can't overlook or take for granted. That's something that we just we realize again and again. And, you know, our founders and like obviously I'm from outside Kyoto as well, you know, they've had a long time to engage with the community slowly, you know, by giving back. I mean, Fei Lang as well, she lives in the Kaibuki house in, in Keoku. And, you know, since she's been there nearly 10 years now and she's organized um, concerts in her house like year on year. So, you know, this is constant giving back, right? You're building up this social capital. <clears throat> um, but then, and so we've, you know, we've integrated quite well. People generally trust Roots in what they're doing, but then, we have collaborators in other regions, for example, in the uh, Umino Kyoto, the maritime region of uh, Kyoto Prefecture. Uh, we have a collaborator there, uh, Tangonian, and you know he's uh, he is uh, Nagase-san. He is uh, local. He's actually born and raised in Tango in that area, and you know what his leverage is completely different words, you know as a local that that trust and the, what you have access to is so is so different it's very interesting i mean we're both successful and we both have both have their merits and demerits right obviously if you are that integrated as well sometimes it can be difficult to try new things or and whatever but um yeah it's it's just very interesting to see for that sure. is, but uh, hopefully you guys can also build up a very positive reputation, uh, even sure. though you're coming from the outside. Absolutely. So then the I mean, locals learn to trust you that you're not going to take advantage, right? That's right. Of course. I mean, it's it's definitely possible. If, as I said, if you come in with that mindset of like, I want to take part, I want to bring something, but not be pushy about what you're bringing, right? Just be happy to be involved. Um, I think you can pretty much... Uh, most communities will be will be happy to welcome you. I think, especially in these like local, more rural communities, in these smaller communities. Um, I mean, even if you just think about the numbers, right? The smaller community you're in, the bigger impact you have when you go in there, right? So, if you go in with that mindset to give, then it's 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 a no-brainer, really. Definitely. Um, mm -hmm. I've also talked to other entrepreneurs who have uh, moved out to rural areas, mm -hmm. starting businesses like guest houses or trying to start uh, new businesses to bring in new residents as well as visitors. And they do have pushback from local people in the community who mm -hmm. aren't interested in change, aren't mm -hmm. interested in any kind of development. So if mm -hmm. you can 
create a positive interchange with local people and have a community who's behind you, I think mm-hmm. that that is a really important step in the process. And it's not easy to develop that. So you guys have, have right. been doing a good job over the last few years. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Roots as a company could exist if, you know, Feilang and Kay had not already accrued such, you know, um, cre- you know, credit and trust among the locals of, of Kehoku for sure. I mean, having already built, you know, five years or so of trust with the locals before we started is, you know, we can approach them and say, hey, we've got this group who are interested in this. Would, could we ask you to maybe do a day with them? You know, if, if we didn't have, if we just rocked up in Kehoku on day one, it's like, right, we're going to do this like local tourism education thing. You know, people wouldn't have it, I don't think, especially in Kyoto, because it is technically Kyoto city. You know, these communities, it's, there's a kind of a Kyoto, I don't know, regional pride. I mean, this is just my observation going to traveling around Japan. Like I went to Nagano a few months ago uh, to like near the Sua Lake region. Uh, I was in Matsumoto and Ina. Ina is a small town that's it's pretty much dead. Like the main street is virtually dead. Um, but because it's like so like on the brink of existence that the, the old people have no pride about this anymore. You know, if there's young people who want to do something, they're like, yeah, go ahead, off you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a little more difficult thing in Kyoto right now because it is Kyoto, right? <laughs> but then again, like you said, Kyoto is a big prefecture. It is right. a lot of rural areas in Kyoto. It's not just in the city, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so it's, mm-hmm. it's always, I mean, it's, it goes back to that it's case by case. You yeah. can't you can't say it's always going to be this way or it's always going to be that way. Mm-hmm, you really mm-hmm. have to do it community by community. And so it's so nice to see that you guys have had success there. Um, mm-hmm. As we're talking about the community, you had mm-hmm. this slide about regional character, the oh, yeah. strengths <laughs> and the weaknesses. Sure, sure. Uh, it might be a good time to yeah. mention that. Yeah, I think we've talked about it a little bit already. But yeah, so obviously Kehoku where in where it's situated it's got a it's beautiful you know you've got the mountains you've got the ri- you, rivers um it, it it is very well preserved uh a lot of the students when they come from abroad they're like wow it's like you know a ghibli film <laughs> like that is the point of reference uh we have a lot of local traditions that are still alive you know local festivals local food traditions um we've people who are have been are connected to the land for generations you know like 20th generation (laughs) stuff like that so that's obviously a huge cultural asset to the to the region and because of its positioning as well we're getting a lot more people coming into the region um both like japanese people also uh non-japanese people like we've had a couple from a French couple who are architects. They were based in Kyoto City. Um, they're absolute geniuses with planks of wood. <laughs> they build everything. Like they're, it's, uh, two meters by 26 is the name of the company. And the concept is that they, they use like um, default sizes or you know, typical sizes of, of planks to design uh, that they design around. So they have bought a kaibuki uh, or like a traditional country house in Keoku this year and they've moved to the area and now they're doing it up themselves it's incredible um so yeah we're 
and the more people that you get then obviously the more people that kind of becomes the face of the community right it becomes that kind of community and then brings even more people and more people so that's kind of a good trend that's happening right now but on the other hand you have like obviously it's a very uh like a lot of rural communities there's a lot of elderly people there it's it's generally um uh i think he has a uh an anecdote that you know he sees a a funeral procession every other week or something like that right it's 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 kind of scary but as i said it's um bringing in young people hopefully you know if the we hope that trend will continue. Uh, the city obviously offers more jobs. If you are, if you want to just have a, you know, a salary, obviously there's not a lot of opportunities there in the in the countryside. But on the hand, if you can, if you are, uh, uh, you know, self-employed or you you want to, you can make it alone, then it, it's a good place for you. And uh, something that is a big concern right now as well. I mentioned the forestry a little earlier. The forests are kind of some of them are in bad condition um a lot of the mountains are you know privately owned and with the aging population people have become less able to uh manage their forests manage their mountains and you know we've seen a lot of bad weather like we're having now in recent years and this has led to mudslides you can see like that river that you can see in the pictures is the Katsura river which connects Kyoto to uh Kyoto city to Keihoku like it comes goes downstream into through Arashiyama that bridge is the really famous bridge in um, Arashiyama people might know it so you know this is a big problem that we're seeing uh recently and this is something that Roots is really engaged in right now is uh, how we can rethink the local forestry industry, not just in Keoku, but in the wider network of Satoyama regions in um, around Kansai. And, you know, we're fo- most, mostly focused in Kansai right now. Mm-hmm. That's so important all over Japan. And uh, I was so shocked in my recent visit to Kamikatsu to learn that in in most of Japan, one mm. tree is only valued at one thousand yen, ten dollars. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, like there, there is no value for domestic lumber. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so a lot of wood is imported from other countries, but that mm-hmm. has huge costs to the environment for mm-hmm. fossil fuels and everything. And yeah, we yeah, have yeah. abundance of trees and forests that need clearing and uh, you know taking care of so we mm. need to use the wood that we have right here yeah. I know when we were remodeling our house too we were mm-hmm. asking for domestic lumber mm-hmm. and the remodeling companies were so resistant we had to yeah, keep yeah, yeah. asking over and over right yeah yeah I mean even so I was I mentioned the French couple um uh two two and by 26 they have when they were sourcing timber for they also renovated a house in Kyoto city and they, they've done other work as well. You know, they also want to use the local timber. They know that it's there. Right. And, but there's no, there's, there's no way to get it out. Like there's no, there, there's no roads through the forest. There's no, there's no one processing it. There's nobody drying it. So um, I can't remember if it was them or another uh, uh Komuten, like a construction company owner that I was talking to, who also does a lot of traditional building, they get the trees cut in Keoku, then they have to go to Wakayama, where they will be processed, and then come back into Kyoto City. Like, it's crazy, right? It's absolutely mad. It's 
but this is yeah. this is the system yeah. we have right now that happens all over i'm so glad when i hear uh local carpenters like i talked to john stolenmeyer who was yeah, trained yeah. in kyoto but he's working mm -hmm. on okoyama and mm -hmm. all of his projects use domestic wood and they're oh, very yeah. proud of of using japan wood and i think bringing this branding back that japan wood is good and wanted and mm. then hopefully demand will go up and prices will go up and then it'll be more valuable to be mm -hmm. working in this trade as well, right? That's it. Like one since so when Corona hit and we, you know, the tourism uh, experience sort of side of our uh, business became a little bit more difficult. We took this opportunity. So I mentioned that some people own mountains like Fei Lang is one of those people that she when she bought her house there was like a mountain attached <laughs> so she looks really experiencing firsthand how difficult it is to maintain these mountains you're, if you are a private owner and also just looking at the forestry areas around we could see that this is a problem so she uh when we, we took when you know the country went into kind of lockdown in Japan we started looking in at this problem like right this is the time we're going to look we're going to investigate this now so we started this project called login because you know if you have a good point it's important to make a business out of it straight away so, uh in this time where everyone is online and getting tired of zoom right we were thinking about going out into the forest like investigating you know what the situation is and what we could do so like that was one of the big discoveries at the start like the tree is there it's worth very little. Uh, you don't have the infrastructure to get it out. You know, this is this is the deadlock that we're in, right? So even um, how do we add more value? How can we make it worth taking the trees out of the out, out of the forest? Is is one of the uh, goals of the login project? So at the start, we you know we were doing these sort of field investigations. People can't come from outside Japan, but we sort of linked up with industries. You know, SDGs are a big keyword right now, right? So a lot of companies were interested in doing something with a local region, getting out of the city. <laughs> and so we linked up with some local, or not local, sorry, um, like big co uh, companies in Japan who came in to Kehoku and, and went into the forest with us to investigate like maybe what, what they could do or how they could contribute uh, to the situation so we did a couple of those kind of field studies we launched we before COVID-19 hit we had a, uh, already a program set up ready to go with the Hong Kong students again <clears throat> and they couldn't come obviously so we put that all online we linked them up with Kyoto University students so the Kyoto University students went into the forest they did their research on the ground and reported back to the Hong Kong students who then you know came up with some proposals and ideas and did like crunch the numbers and what and so on so that was a really interesting uh new way of doing our educational program as well like linking up the different students groups from outside and inside the country and getting another level of you know uh mixing or uh what would you say <laughs> uh yeah uh, so then a we variety also variety yeah. of offerings right 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 just a lot of different inputs a lot of different mixing of ideas we did uh some workshops as well so like Feilang's basic calculation was okay the population of keok is this much if each person uses one log like how, what happens like is that does that like does that use the timber and 
so that was another point is like each person won't log like you, how to get so we <laughs> we did a workshop with the the um melanie and sebastian the, the two people french the french couple i mentioned they did a workshop with us where they we made a little stools where like each each there was like a log stool there was a hexa stool they call it it's um like basically be made out of one piece of timber or so and you know uh people have never made furniture before and they came in this workshop and they made over two days nearly over 50 stools (laughs) there there you go like people really really got into it (laughs) which is amazing and what's really cool about that as well is you know um people you you can ex- you physically experience a sense of empowerment right oh we can we can we can use it right we can do something with this um that was we you could use the timber it was a real you know exercise and demonstration of just how accessible like this is a resource that we have access to if we choose to use it and so that was that was a real um it was a real success in that everyone viscerally experienced what that is like to like to make something with your hands when we're all sitting in front of computers these days right it does not have a, a lot of chance to do that uh, another thing that people really said about that workshop i mean this is this is community f- focused as well it was mostly people from kehoku taking part you know kids were it was very easy for people to bring their children because this maker community was born in that space and even even if other people were looking after other people's kids right they you know if the mom is like drilling something or sanding that the someone else like looking after their kid or reading them a story <laughs> just like ask just you know kind of that sense of doing it together like not do, doing it yourself but doing it together was also very valuable i think for the people who took part and it looks beautiful, like so beautifully yeah, right. designed. <laughs> Something it. you want to keep. This is not uh, your local unskilled workshop just to keep kids busy. This is right, actually right, right. creating something you want yeah, from this beautiful is big... local wood. I love it. Yeah, this is a big thing for Melanie and Sebastian as well. But, you know, DIY shouldn't look DIY. You know, it, they, they really think about the design and make it something that you're going to want to leave in your home and not be like, oh yeah, that's that chair I made that one time, <laughs> you know, that it looks beautiful, it's very important to them. So we were really delighted to work with them on that. So you have this combination, which is really unique, I think. Um, you have local wisdom meisters, which are mm. uh, showing traditional, cultural, Japanese, traditional heritage, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is in need of being passed down and preserved because mm-hmm. these are kind of dying in Japan and nobody's right. really practicing as much. But you mm-hmm. also have a modern Um, part of it you have artists who are Mm -hmm. creating new designs and innovation and having both is a very strong point to have as a business for sure sure. I mean when we say that we want to share the Satoyama wisdom with the world we're not just like oh you should do this like this is this is the good thing and what you're doing is not the good thing um (laughs) Yeah, we want to make something new that is based off that more sustainable culture. And I think that's very important. When you were talking about the forestry as well, like we're not just, we want to bring back the more sustainable methods of forestry, but also think about what we can 
do differently now that we have the technology so for one for example you know we have drones now so we can map the forest like in some areas of japan we don't know what's actually there because nobody is going to the forest so you know this is one way to bring in the new technology combined with the more uh traditional knowledge of you know stewarding the forests and the mountains Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Chuck Kayser is one of your neighbors, organic farmer in Shiga. And he says, great projects, Robin. Thanks for joining, Chuck. Yeah, you had Chuck on as well, right? I think I saw that. Yeah, and I visited his farm. Um, This was before I knew about your amazing place. So next Mm -hmm. time I'm in the area, I will definitely come and visit you guys as well. Fantastic. I love this illustration uh, from the website, Cross the Border, Connect with Roots. Uh-huh. So it it kind of Sorry. represents the real variety of projects that you're, you're trying to do, supporting the local community, doing workshops. But there also is some cycle tours, walking tours, hiking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. traditional type of activities as well. And mm-hmm. I want to mention... Can you tell us about these beautiful houses that mm-hmm. uh, people who do internships oh, yeah. uh, or mm-hmm. workcations, telework could use mm-hmm. while they're connecting with you guys? Yeah, so we are managing three traditional houses in Kehoku. This is the smallest we have on the screen right now, Uma. Um, this one, one of our staff is like a live-in host uh Working from here, we have two other ones as well, Roku and Tehen. Tehen is the biggest one. Um, so it, it can sleep about eight people, uh, beautiful, like traditional house with the outside bath and everything. Um, yeah, so we, people who are coming intern with us, uh, we've had recently we had a work exchange sometimes we open it so people can come and stay in exchange for helping us do a little bit of maintenance like painting or uh pulling the weeds up or something like that so occasionally we open it up to that and you know if people are following us on facebook or something you can maybe take part in that if you're interested um that's one way to experience it (laughs) and then uh, um we also they're also open for just booking as well if people want to come and spend a few days in Kehoku and you know experience it at your own pace yeah they look beautiful um so it looks like you're you're using that combination once again of the traditional aesthetic but modern comfort more efficient Mm. houses it looks like they're done with insulation um maybe western style toilets so Mm -hmm. it's not it's not so much roughing it as people sometimes worry about when they come to rural japan right right exactly (laughs) i mean uh if you can show us Tehen, I think is the nicest one <laughs> where uh they they yeah they're pretty modern they've already been renovated before we we got to use them but we're still working on them improving them um like we want to do we're fix you know the guy living in in Uma is improving the kitchen making it more usable um Noku we're planning to build a sort of terrace outside because the kitchen in this house is unfortunately a little bit small um so we're making the outside space more usable as well um yeah so they have they have modern comforts for sure uh with that aesthetic mm-hmm. 
sorry, my sound was off. Beautiful, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous. And one of the other um, aspects of any local stay, and I imagine a lot of your programs too, is mm. the idea of eating local, eating seasonal, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. having all of your food that you eat come from the local area as much as possible. That's a, a nice, very important, slow travel, mm -hmm. sustainable aspect mm -hmm. as well right yeah 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 for sure um I think if I'm honest well we definitely have that there we have like I think these are IU right and we have a lot of vegetables you know a lot of the uh, the neighbors will come and give you their leftovers or not leftovers but extras from their harvest and so on but like in terms of a, a culinary scene there's not a lot going on in Kehoku right now. So if anyone wants to come and set up a destination restaurant in Kehoku, it's there. The opportunity is there. Please come. Uh, That's uh, a great idea. Uh, we we had uh, Winifred Bird who wrote a book about Sansai, about forest food around Japan. She, mm -hmm. she was talking on the series. And wouldn't that be wonderful to have a forest foraging food workshop and mm -hmm. then have someone who is a chef who could mm -hmm. show how to use all of these unusual ingredients because they're often not used mm -hmm. in modern Japanese um, cooking. You yeah, have yeah. you have an indigo artist. Let's talk a little bit about your local artisans mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. craftspeople that you connect with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do have uh, some food experts that we work with sometimes. Um, people who are like... Kehoko has a tradition of making a miso in a group and making soy sauce in a group every year, you know, so that tradition is still alive, the people involved in that. Um, we've got the local traditions expert that's written there. He is um, a local, I think he can trace his family back in Kehoku through 20 generations or something like that. So, you know, incredible. I don't think a lot of people can say that anywhere, right? Uh, so he's a huge, you know, store of knowledge about the area and the history can provide a lot of insights in that regard. The Aizome artist, uh, Naoko, is, she's actually in Miyama, which is a little bit more further into the mountains than Kehoku. Um, yeah, she lives in the beautiful Kominka, the traditional country house in, in Miyama. She trained under one of the like leading uh, Aizome artists in Japan. Yeah, so she's also involved in, in the more uh, artistic scene in Kehoku as well. She takes part in, uh, her husband is uh, a musician as well. So they're uh, great collaborators in the Tsukurumori event that I talked about that happens in November. The, uh, Asanome-san, he is the, the guy who built, who led the students in building the treehouse. He built it all over his head. So he's another guy with like encyclopedic knowledge of the local plants, uh, the local area, like what, you know, you can eat that, you can use that as medicine, blah, 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 just all in, in his head. Uh, we've got some local foresters uh, also who have deep connections in the area. So they like their family would have been taking care of the, the forests and the trees for generations. Uh, Tonoshita-san is also an expert in plants. He's, he's led a, a few walks for us. And also um, in the login project, you know, showed us, shown people around, the forest, so the state of the forest, what's edible, what's useful in other ways, like what kind of, um, what the look, what the plants that are there, what they can tell us about the condition of the soil and stuff like, you know, it's for him, it, 
it's just everything is evident there. There's a, you can just get so much information that, you know, it really makes you realize how little you information you have people get when they look at the natural world these days. Yeah, so these are people that we are trying to learn from. <laughs> Yeah, that's wonderful. And yeah. the these local uh, wisdom meisters, mm -hmm. uh, do they enjoy doing the workshops as well? They seem oh. to get a lot out of it. Or, of course, you're paying them so they get some economic support, I would hope. But yeah, I mean, it depends on the, the generally they're happy. Yeah, for sure. To, to share their knowledge. Um you know, sometimes a, a large group or something might be a, a challenge for Tonostasan to bring, like, for example, a group of 30 through a mountain is essentially impossible, right? But, uh, so there can be a need for dialogue on how to do something, like the communication of how we can approach, how we approach them and how we approach what we're trying to do is important. But, you know, for the most part, people are happy to collaborate if it's you know re unreasonable terms that's great uh thank you louise louise is a travel guide in new zealand who also mm -hmm. has uh, many beautiful walking tours mm -hmm. i hope you can visit this beautiful satoyama area of kyoto mm -hmm. on your next trip to japan louise mm -hmm. um one of the other things so you do have a cooking expert a mm -hmm. local cooking expert mm -hmm. um you work with so many local people who have expertise in different areas. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think that that is also a great asset because then if you have a group coming in, like you had from Italy, working with Renata, um, mm -hmm. who sets that up, who was also a guest in the series at the beginning mm -hmm. of this talk show. It's so Maybe. nice to see mm -hmm. that she's one of your European collaborators. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So if you have groups around the world who are interested in a certain focus, such mm -hmm. as uh, buildings or right. forestry or nature mm -hmm. or Japanese mm -hmm. food, that you guys can act as a bridge between people mm -hmm. seeking certain things about Japan and right. what is available from the local meisters and the local area. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot easier to facilitate if people have a certain goal in mind or something they want to learn that they're interested in. We can. It's much easier to connect with the with the people that will give can maybe provide the answers they're looking for or the kind of conversations they want to have. Um, yeah, e e not even in Kehoku, but for example, we have now a network of other local areas. So as I said, the, the maritime region of Kyoto, uh, we've, we recently worked with them to, to bridge the local maritime high school. So they have a high school in the, in the Maizururi area that specializes in training uh, students you know, to work on the, on the ocean, on the sea. They do diving, they do um, not work, going on a boat, all that kind of stuff. We connected them with uh, a, the, a group of students from Hong Kong. We also connected them with the students from uh, the Brittany region in France. And we had a, a dialogue about different fishing practices in, Kyoto, or in the Kyoto Sea region and in Brittany and what they eat. Like they were, the Japanese students' minds were blown that in France, they don't eat the seaweed. Like they might make, use it for seaweed bath, but like, you don't eat it? Like, <laughs> what? 
yeah, that, 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 those, those kind of discoveries are very in, entertaining. That is so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I see like, seaweed yeah. is one of the, the things that I, I would love to see promoted more in Japan because we do have so many uses for it in terms of what mm-hmm. we eat, mm-hmm. uh, making vegan dashi, making mm-hmm. the soup stock, using seaweed, kombu, and kelp mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. a wonderful way. It's also one of the best ways to capture carbon. So if we're talking Mm -hmm. about reaching our 2050 carbon goals, Mm -hmm. planting and taking care of more seaweed around Japan would be a great way forward. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, actually. They're also confused that French people didn't have other ways to eat oysters, like like what can you teach us some french oyster recipes and they're like recipes you just eat them raw <laughs> like what wow that's interesting yeah, yeah there's a variety of ways to eat oysters in japan that's for right. sure yeah yeah um so have we we've got five more minutes left have we touched on all the important aspects you wanted to talk about have we covered everything yeah i think that's that's generally it um can you give us a sense of what's coming up or what you guys are planning for the future? Anything on the horizon? Yeah, so I talked a little bit about the login project. So, you know, one of the the parts of the project that I discussed was kind of the first phrase. It's kind of like a, a pilot phase to see what's possible, what we can do. And um, that was, you know, it was very successful. I talked about how satisfied people were with the DIY workshop, for example, and you know our field research, what we learned from that. Through traveling around the area, we connected with you know other Satoyama regions who were engaging in the forestry scene right now. Like one of our biggest collaborators, it's the login project is in Tambasasayama. Um, there's a facility called Moka. It's a cafe DIY, DIY space run by a guy called uh, Tsuji-san, who is uh, also in the forest every day, you know, doing the groundwork. He's there. So he's been a really valuable uh, collaborator for us because, you know, we we are in the mountains, but we're not actually in the mountains doing the work, right? So there's only so much access to information we have. So he's been a really great collaborator. And now we're now working with him. We're working with other people, stakeholders in the forestry industry, and in, in like the who are interested in creating sustainable uh, Satoyama. And we're now building like a more advanced, in the process of building a more advanced uh, sort of login forestry network. So that's still kind of in the early stages, but we're hoping to yeah connect these regions and in a more like tangible way, uh, way to uh exchange resources like not um as we said like the sharing the houses sharing knowledge sharing um other kind of resources that between that when we went around we discovered that you know different regions have different strengths and what they're doing well what they're struggling with so for us we have great access to uh overseas input and knowledge whereas other areas because maybe they don't have such strong english scale or don't have those connections they, they could they can meet it's, it's very hard for them to expand or get the attraction that they need so you know this is one kind of exchange that the way that we've been able to exchange uh knowledge or uh resources so yeah um that is 
probably one of our main projects that's coming up right now is to to bring that to the next stage where we can really start to see maybe bigger more tangible results not just in Keoku but in across the the region that might make forestry a more viable industry in the future is maybe one of our biggest projects coming up right now. That's great it's great Mm. to hear of a group like yours with that focus because I've talked to uh, people working in forestry people Mm -hmm. working with housing people who are carpenters Mm -hmm. uh, people trying to make use of domestic wood in different art projects so Mm -hmm. this is definitely something we need more innovation about and more connections across Japan. Yeah, like again with COVID-19 and the whole, you know, people wanting to do more, uh, get into the country somehow, like get involved, like maybe move in the future, but at least have some sort of, you know, safety net, a kind of backup, a sense of security. This, it's been, uh, we've really been thinking about how to increase the number of stakeholders, people who are engaged and interested in a local area from the city, whether it's Tokyo, Osaka, you know, the big metropolitan areas, how we can get them, how, how, you know, raise awareness of what's happening. Because I don't think people really realize like what, how critical the situation is in the forest and how much that their own livelihoods depending on it, right? You know, um, so this is, this is part of the login project as well. And we're hoping to create more ways for people to easily access the countryside and get involved in whether it's like making something or taking part in an experience or so on. Um, more tangible, not, not just as a tourist experience, like, oh, that's nice. We had a nice time. We relaxed, you know, but in a more sustained long term way to give, to increase uh, the stakeholders in the countryside is, is the way, the direction that we're going in the future. That's so important. And to have something that works, something that's high quality, something that people want and mm-hmm. something which can last for many years, right? Once right, you yeah, yeah, invest yeah. in that initial structure and then it can pay off mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Like over over and over again, we see how this mixing, people from different backgrounds, when you bring them together, you, it's, it, you know, it, in, in permaculture as well, they, they say like the most diversity is at the edge between two areas, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to create by bringing people from like the city to the countryside together, bringing people from outside Japan to inside Japan together, people from different disciplines together. That's, that's uh, definitely what we feel is, is the key to more sustainable Satoyama and Japan. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Robin. What a great discussion. And it was so wonderful to hear all the innovative insights from all the interesting projects and collaborations that you are doing with Roots. Um, I wish you lots of luck and just hang in there a little bit longer. And hopefully after COVID is not too far away and you can start rolling forward with more projects, not only for international people, but other domestic visitors and Mm -hmm. even people within the community to really build up that enthusiasm and momentum. Yeah, that's it. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I hope to see you in Keoku in the future, yeah. I hope so. I hope so. I'm showing the Roots uh, information Ah, right here. Mm -hmm. So if Mm -hmm. you want to see more about the Roots journey, 
rootsjourney.jp and info at rootsjourney.jp is the email they're also on facebook and you have a really nice instagram page as well yeah look at roots journey there as well Mm -hmm. yeah fantastic thank you thank you you, everybody 